Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Because ultimately what we're talking about is Ah, man, it's, it's moving into the new year with an expectation of seeing goals come to pass. Some people are like, well, I don't set goals. I don't set resolutions. Well, whatever. You, you have things you want to do, and you have things that you have not yet seen happen in your life that you want to see happen in your life. So whatever you call those, that's what we're talking about. Amen? And, but I want to put us in a position where when we, because I've seen this a lot, for several years we've done this. We've launched into the new year with kind of this course and this, this uh, set of messages on moving forward and pursuing your calling, finding out what your assignment is from God, standing on that firm ground of God's love for you, knowing that your purpose is to be a child of God. And if you say yes to Jesus, your purpose is fulfilled. In other words, why God created you was to be His child. And if you acknowledge Him as your Father, your purpose, why you're breathing air is fulfilled. But now that you're here and now that you acknowledge that He is your Father, there's probably an assignment for you. And so what is that assignment? And a lot of times what I see is people begin to break out of where they currently are and move toward that assignment. There's a whole bag of issues that they got to deal with that drag them back down into the pit that keep them from fulfilling that assignment. And I want to put us in a position where as you begin to take steps and move forward and that thing rises up within you and starts to grab you and pull you back, you know how to deal with it. And that thing is not your sin nature. You know, we dealt with that a couple of weeks ago with uh, the message, um, Circumcision of the Heart. If you haven't, go back and listen to that because it frames for you what you are as a new creature and what God did to you to change you. Because, I mean, I'm telling you, we talk a lot about the heart, and people love to quote Jeremiah to me, well, the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. You can't trust your heart. Well, that's true before you got born again. But God gave you a new one with all of His laws and commandments written upon it. It is your nature to follow God now. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you have to remember that as you start to move forward because a lot of times when we've got our comfortable little boxes and when we start to try to get out of that, there's something in there that wants to grab you and pull you back into it and say, no, this is where we belong right here. But you can break free from that stuff. And you got to know that God is for you, that He's not holding your sin against you, because the last thing you want is to think God's your enemy keeping you down. Now, we don't say that, but we believe that, because we think the guilt and the shame is somehow godly and reminding us how bad and wicked we are when He wants you to know no, I've changed you. You're a different kind of creature and being. It's not, I'm not talking about you getting to live your fantasies. We're talking about you fulfilling the assignment of God on your life. Amen? And it's, very, it's actually very simple to identify. So this is some groundwork to lay that we're going to do today just real quick before next week jumping into that, finding and pursuing our assignment. And we're going to spend some Wednesday nights, too, coming in and doing some actual, you know, pencil-to-paper work where you come up with a plan. Because that's what I feel like God has put on my heart for going into 2020 and my role in this church is to 
create an environment or, or, or just kind of bring an element of taking the word to another level, another level being practicality, like where you're actually putting some things into practice. I don't know if you, uh, most of you are in the Facebook group. I don't know if you saw my post in the church Facebook group about self-control. So that's where we're going today. That is the homework. It's really already laid out. Uh, but I want to lay some groundwork because as you seek to discipline yourself and as you seek to experience the fruit of self-control, you are going to encounter things that you don't like about yourself that have been tucked away for quite a while and you're going to feel guilt and shame and you got to know how to deal with it. Because God doesn't want you dealing with feeling that stuff. He wants you free from it so that you can follow Him and, and pursue this assignment. You're complete in Him. You're already the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But it's like now that you're on the team, let's go play ball, right? Now that you're in the family, let's represent our Father. That's what it's about. See, Christianity and the, the toxic side of it always is kind of making you wonder if you're in or out. You, you ever, did you come out of a background like that? You know, you just kind of, you, you never... So people that, you know, that was what, that's what the enemy would want for you to constantly question your identity. But if you just get that settled, then you're free to pursue. You're free to pursue and follow God and not constantly worry about if there's something between you and Him. Does that mean sin is okay? No, it doesn't mean sin is okay. We're not trying to create an argument it's where you can just live recklessly. That's, that's not good. It's actually, I'm going to use you twice. Sydney and I were having a conversation just this week, and she asked me what I was preaching. I'm like, well, you better watch out. You, you ask a preacher what he's preaching on Sunday. <laughs> so I gave her a five-minute mini-sermon. But it turned into a cool conversation because it was uh, the, the crux of the conversation was was this, that, see, because she here, she, does, she hasn't been raised, my kids haven't been raised in a message where they have to unlearn things about legalism, right? I, I didn't grow up with that stuff. They have only grown up knowing God's love, knowing who God is through what Christ has done and showed us about the Father. And so it was funny because she said, you know, when you say that, it just seems so simple. Why do people have such a hard time with it? I'm like, it's a good question. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I don't know. <laughs> but the crux of the conversation, kind of, I'll put it in the order that makes sense, is that the strength of sin is the law. So that means the strength of freedom, the strength of righteousness is freedom. The strength of sin is the law. The strength of righteousness is freedom. Now, that's counterintuitive to how we think, right? But when you really understand the kind of being that you are and the freedom that God has placed us in, in context of relationship, then it makes more sense. So, for example, relationship. And we were talking about, I don't know, doing the dishes or just doing stuff around the house, right? If she, if she is not, let's just use this term, behaving well, and we get onto her, it creates a divide because we've put the law there. You're not doing this. You need to do this. And so it affects the relationship this way where she go, where it, it kind of shuts down the relational aspect and puts it more into, I have to do this for the household and the family and for you. Now, if there's freedom there, if she just wakes up and comes down and does you know, what's expected, it's like, hey, there, there's nothing between us here. There's nothing, there's no law for me to put into place. I don't have to put the boundary in place. I don't have to threaten 
your life, you know, like we do with our children. It feels like we do sometimes. But it's like when, when, when we are clear in our hearts toward our authority, we're not trying to hide or shift or any of that type of stuff, right? We're not trying to play the game of how to, you know, keep him happy or any of that. Now, if she knows that she has been rebellious and just absolutely refuses, then for her, she then retreats. And it's like, we're still, look, I haven't changed how I feel. I'm not super happy in the moment, but the relation is still, the relationship is still in play. So let's just remove all of the junk. You just live in such a way that keeps this relationship clear and you won't be bringing junk into this relationship. So I put all the blame on her. See, that's how that works, parent. But, and that's not the perfect example, but you understand what I'm saying. When our heart is clear toward our authority or the, those who have expectations toward us, then it's, you're free and you actually are more productive and you thrive in an environment like that. But if you're always worried about breaking the rules and getting in trouble, you're always going to be pushing those boundaries and you're, you, you're, you don't adopt within yourself the way to live and manage that freedom well because you're always looking externally for where, you know, where, where, am, I going to, where am I going to go wrong? And, you know, man, God bless you that grew up, for those people that grew up in a home with parents who were narcissistic or they didn't have any clear guidelines and you're always wondering, it felt like the boundaries were always being moved. Don't raise your hand, but did you grow up in an environment like that? Or you just kind of always felt like, I don't, I'm not sure what's, what's the foundation here, you know? So you kind of live in this survival mode. You're kind of constantly protecting yourself and then you grow up, and then, then you look at the rest of the world like that, and guess what? You look at God like that, and you think He's constantly just holding it against you. And I'm so glad that even 700 years before Jesus came, God started telling people, look, when the Messiah gets here, I will no longer hold your sin against you. Go back, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah. All of them prophesy the same thing. God will, when the new covenant is put in place, when the Messiah comes, one of the tenets of that new covenant will be, I will no longer hold your sin against you. Now, the legalistic mindset that still holds to that framework hears that and thinks, well, you're just giving people a license to sin. It's like, no, you just don't get it yet. Maybe when you grow up a little bit and you get out of your legalistic boundary mindset of how you think God's relating to you, you can move past that. I know this. But that's the reality. The more free you know and realize that you are, the more you will manage that freedom well. And if you're and see, if you're constantly struggling with sin, you don't get to taste this freedom because you're constantly feeling the guilt and shame that Jesus paid for, and you're keeping yourself locked into this legalistic relationship with the Father. It's not him. He's not saying, oh, just go on and sin. He just wants you to realize how free you are from it and live in the power of His grace so that you don't fall and stumble over that stuff anymore. But most of us get to a place where, you know, we've, we've got those things under control. We're still working on some things, and that's just kind of how it goes. But we want to pursue this. We want, we want our lives to count, you know. We want to live with meaning and purpose and have a sense of fulfillment impact people's lives with the kingdom of God in your unique way and whatever that looks like. And that's what we're going to talk about for a couple of weeks.
and you know maybe even come up with some strategies for yourself to discern and pursue that assignment. But you got to start on the foundation of as you begin to do things that maybe are slightly different than what you've been doing, I'm telling you, you will start evaluating everything about yourself in life. You just do. When you start to try to move outside, move forward and grow and experience some success beyond where you currently are, or pursue this assignment a little deeper than you actually have, you will have to deal with what's going on inside of you. And you stand on the ground that you're already forgiven. Amen? So, let's look at this in 2 Peter. We're going to start in verse 5. And you know, Peter's harsh. Peter's challenging to read, but you got to remember when you read Peter, he's warning people of the failures that he displayed. He denied the Father. He, or Jesus, he didn't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. He didn't, he was the one that didn't believe. He was the one that did what he's warning people not to do. So he's really harsh about it, right? And and so it sounds legalistic, but he's coming from a place of, look, guys, I'm telling you, I've been there. I did it. Don't go there. So then he gets down to, in his second letter, we get to this particular section here. This is verse 5. So for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control. This is a different translation than last week, but I I wanted to see the words interchangeably. And not, is this what I'm reading here? I may have a different translation. And knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Now watch this. So like you could look at those verses, verses 5, 6, and 7, and say, that's the model Christian life. That is what I should be displaying. And you can look at that and say, man, I really need to get better at that one and that one and that one and that one. Now, your perspective of God will determine how you feel about that and how you pursue those things. Some of us are like, I'm trying to be more virtuous. I'm not trying to be more steadfast. I'm not trying to be more patient. I'm, not, I'm just trying to survive. So then you look at a passage like this and you feel like, oh man, i got to do better? Really? God, you're expecting me to do better than where I'm at right now? I'm, I can barely do good as well as I'm doing right now. i got to do better? Are you with me? But watch... For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. For for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. It's really revolutionary. The fact that you are not doing better are displaying the things that you should be adding to your faith are because you forgot that you are already cleansed. See, this is where you have to understand God is not holding your sin against you. He absolutely expects you to display holiness and righteousness. He absolutely expects you to live worthy of the calling. He absolutely expects you to represent Him well as a member in His kingdom, as a child of God. But if you're not living in such a way that displays the character traits that He wants, it's because you don't yet know how forgiven you are. I 
I mean, that, isn't that what it said? Yeah. It's because you've forgotten that you have been cleansed of your sins, that you're not living in such a way that God would expect you to live. Now, that's that the strength of sin is the law and the strength of righteousness is freedom thing. It's counterintuitive. We look at that. I get it because you can feel the wrestling and the tension within that, right? It's like, how? How does that make sense? So, so you're telling me that if I remember that I'm forgiven, then I'll be more virtuous and have more self-control. Yes, because you will understand where that forgiveness came from, the fact that you have been cleansed with the lifeblood of Jesus, left in a state of holiness, which means I'm not worried about being unholy and unrighteous. I'm not worried about if I've done too much or too bad or not enough to please God or keep Him happy. All of that is just gone. I don't even think like that. All of that is just out of my mind. And if I catch myself slipping and I'm not displaying what I know God would expect in my life, it's because I'm not standing on that firm foundation of the finished work of Christ in that area. It's counterintuitive, but it's what it says. Amen? Now, so you got to deal with this too. Let's jump over to um, 1 John chapter 1. Because people always bring this up too. And I'll, I'll just tell you ahead of time, the key to understanding this particular passage is tenses. There are more tenses in Greek than there are in uh, English. You know, we have past, present, future. These guys have like several. And then there's aspects of these tenses. So in other words, we have past, like it happened in the past. They have, it happened in the past and it was a one-time event and it's over. Or it happened in the past, but it still has residual effects now. So there's like two different kind of past tenses. The past tense is what we're talking about here, and the future tenses are the present tense as well. I know that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I'm going through this part fast. So this is the message. So this, John starts out this letter by saying, look, we've seen him. We interacted with the resurrected Jesus. We know what we're talking about. This is the message. And so... A lot of people look at verse 5 as this is the message and then he stops. But actually, everything he's about to say for the rest of this chapter is the message. Now, the reason I'm going through this part right here is because it seems to indicate that you got to go back to God and confess your sin every time you mess up. And it puts you in a place where you're thinking, oh man, i got to constantly go back to God and confess and forget what, what about all the stuff that I... And so then you get into this, what, what about the sin I don't remember? What about the sin that I didn't know that I was sinning? Do I, I need to confess? And so people get locked into this thing of I'm confessing for things that I didn't even know that I did, and you just constantly walk around with this guilt. You're already forgiven. Doesn't mean you can use that to live recklessly or sinfully, but let's frame this particular passage. Now, some people will say this was not written to Christians. Well, there wasn't a letter not written to Christians. They're all written to Christians. So, uh, Verse 5. This is the message we've heard from him and announced. So he's like, this is, we're talking about Jesus. We saw him. We interacted with the resurrected Jesus. We know what we're talking about. This is the message we've heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with... Now, this will scare the pants off of people, making them think that they've lost their salvation. If we say that we have fellowship with him, yet we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice... The truth. Key phrase, practice the truth. Practicing the truth is what we're talking about over in that Second Peter section where 
Just add these things to your faith. Practice the faith in this way. Add these things to your faith. By the way, if you're not, just because you forgot you're forgiven, go back and reinforce that and then deal with it from, and then deal with this. All right. So, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we, so this is written in such a way where it's still the message, right? In other words, this is not, this is to you that's already a Christian. It's two Christians affirming this is the message, and this is the message that if you come to him, he'll forgive you. And then you are in a state of forgiveness. But there, I'll, I'll unpack it a little bit more. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. So, and you may have, you may, I may be going deep for some of you, but some of you have been beat up by this particular type of passage that makes you feel like if you sin, you don't have fellowship with Him and you are not born again. So therefore, every time you sin, you lose your salvation. You got to go back to Him and get forgiven again, get cleansed again, and then be born again again. Now, if you understand what's actually being said, you just eliminate that process. But people don't take the Word and live within it and dissect it enough, and that's why God created you know, the silliness of preaching so that we would have teaching so that we could understand these things. You always have to, you can just rest assured you are forgiven. Say, I am forgiven, I am forgiven. In, Christ. in Christ. Amen. Amen. Done. Done. Now, does that mean you can keep sinning? You shouldn't. You, you shouldn't want to. In fact, if you are engaged with the light, you won't even want to. You might have that temptation, but you'll have that grace. You realize that oh, there's more grace here than the opportunity for sin. So I'm thinking I'm just going to partake of grace rather than going this way. So the message is all of that. This is the message that we bring, that He is light and in Him is no darkness. And when you interact with Him, He cleanses you and you live within Him. But there is a present active aspect of this as well of going to Him, confessing your sin and experiencing forgiveness. Now, if you go to, if you, let's say you sin, you go to Him, you confess your sin to Him, does He then release forgiveness for that sin in that moment? Why? Because you're already cleansed and, you, and He is not holding your sin against you. Do you understand that? Now, we think, well, that doesn't sound right. Well, you better understand Scripture a little bit more wholesomely, you know, put it all together. And the promise is... He's not holding your sin against you. That is the promise of the new covenant. You're no longer in a relationship where you've got to go to God and sacrifice. We think confession of sin is our version of sacrifice now, is if I bring my confession of sin to the altar, then I will receive some temporary atonement. No, you are once forgiven and always stand in that state of cleansed holiness and righteous before the Father. Amen? But there is... Now, that's, now here's the deal. That is true of your spirit. Your soul and the rest of your being will be changed at some point. Praise God for that, right? When that, when that happens, and I love, I, I went to Open Bible, which is a great tool, openbible.info, and you can search 
words or phrases, and I just put the word heaven in there. And, and man, it's incredible. I encourage you to do that. It's just a quick little study to read all the passages related to. Whoever put that website together did an amazing job, or the engine, how it works. But it's, it's incredible what heaven is like. Um, I forgot what I was going to say there, so let me keep going back here. All right, so the, the interactive aspect of confession and being cleansed of your sin, and He's faithful and just to forgive you, He's faithful and just because in Christ He already has. So confession of sin looks like this. You go to God and you say, oh man, uh, what am I thinking? I did it again. You may not start with, oh man. You may start with, oh holy father. I don't know. How do you start? Uh, yeah, that's right. That's probably a good place to start. Uh, sorry. <clears throat> But the attitude is this, you're going to God understanding where you are in the relationship with Him already because of Christ, because of all of the prophets, the prophecies, the law and the prophets that point to affirming this safe relationship that you're in. But you don't want that stuff in your life, right? So you go to Him and He's faithful and just to cleanse you. He gives you that healing. He gives you that emotional peace that you that you are lacking because when you aren't displaying godly characteristics, it's because you've forgotten that you're forgiven. So you go back to Him to experience what He's already given you, right? You don't go back to your spouse and get remarried every time there's relationship or connection and intimacy, right? You, that, that may be broken for a while, but then you recapture it. It's the same thing with God. It doesn't get broken on His end. It gets broken on our end because we don't know the sufficiency of the sacrifice of Christ. Not that we should use it for an opportunity for destructive lifestyle, but the reason I'm laying in this foundation in detail is so that because in the next month, upcoming weeks, you're going to make some decisions about following God and some things are going to come up and you're going to have to deal with them. And you've got to deal with them in such a way where there might be some confession that you need to do with God, some interaction. Some, you might need some of that cleansing of the soul and your mind and your conscience. It's already true of your spirit, but it might be hanging around in your soul because of your actions, and you've got to deal with that stuff. So, you know, you will interact with the Holy Spirit as the great counselor, and He will set you free. In fact, He will remind you that you already are free. Amen? You just don't have to be afraid of God. You just don't have to be afraid that there's one more thing that's going to keep you. So let's go back over to 2 Peter. Now, I mean, you could probably take that section in 1 John and really, you know, have a whole... I mean, there's a lot there. But let's go back to this, <clears throat> verse 5. And this was the homework, and that's to go through each character trait or attribute here listed and just look up those definitions, look up the word, so virtue, whatever it is. And I've posted out in the Facebook group the, the link to blueletterbible.org, which is a great study tool. So, you know, to, as much as you can, dig into that. And today I wanted to end with the idea of self-control. You know, the idea of temperance, self-control. Self-control, you might need, it's a couple of different things, right? You might be really convinced of who you are in Christ in a particular area, and you're just not tempted, right? 
You're not tempted in an area because it's settled. Maybe some of you that had substance abuse in your background and you're like, man, there is no way I'm going back to that. There is just absolutely no, I don't want it. I don't like it. I see the destructiveness of it. I don't even have the desire anymore and you are free. But then there's other things where it's like, well, that still looks pretty attractive, you know. And it might not even necessarily be sinful behavior. It, it might even just be a limiting belief that you have that maybe you picked up along the way that has kept you in this box of really truly pursuing your call. You know, maybe you have been always taught that women can't be leaders in church, or maybe you've always been taught that because your dad had this mentality, then you can only go so far as well, or, you know, all of those types of things get broken off as well when you go through this stuff. It's not just that you, we talked a lot about sin, but I'm going to kind of jump into another area that we deal with too, and that's limitations. The limitations that we have on ourselves are very much like sin habits because they keep us down as well. And they they're actually can be more destructive because we don't look at them as evil, but we don't even know that we have them. So all and so self-control is a huge place to work to begin to discipline yourself, to put yourself in an environment to begin to successfully walk out the assignment of God on your life. You might have some sin habits that you got to deal with and exercise some self-control, but you also have to exercise self-control in this way, that as you begin to step out and as you begin, and I say begin like you're not doing it, you probably already are, but just go a little bit deeper and further into what it is that you feel like God's placed on your heart to do. All of that stuff rises back up again Exercising self-control in those areas looks like this. You get a hold of your mind. You get a hold of your emotions. You did what Andrea did, and you start singing the truth. I mean, you, start, you find some promises of God in that area, and you stir up your faith. You stir up that gift that's in you. You stir up that passion. And I'm not just looking for an emotional shift, but then you use that emotion to compel you into action. And in this process, the self-control aspect is telling yourself, no, we're not going to stay where we are. We're moving forward. We're going to pursue this assignment of God on our life, on my life. And when I start to recognize those things that are pulling me back, I'm going to discipline myself with the Word of God. Now, disciplining yourself doesn't mean you punish yourself. It doesn't mean you feel bad about yourself and create guilt and shame and you tell yourself that you're, you know, don't you dare do that to yourself. It just means I'm going to frame my, frame my path forward with the Word of God. And I'm going to use the Word of God to shape my emotions and my thoughts and my beliefs, to self-discipline, exercise some self-control so that I can clear the path. Because ultimately, that's the only thing keeping you back is that there are limitations in the way. That there are things that we believe, things that we've done that are creating limits on us clearly hearing and seeing God and stepping into what it is that He's calling us into. So the point is, you're not going to become something. You're going to affirm that you already are complete in Him, forgiven, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're in a safe relationship with Him. Now, from that place, you just start clearing, clearing the path. Maybe i got to get this sin habit out of the way. Maybe I got this destructive belief out of the way. Maybe I got the pain from something that happened to me. That's limiting. That's, and you start moving that stuff. And you move it as the Holy Spirit helps you move it, right? 
those are the kinds of things that we'll talk about over the next few weeks is when you when that when it comes up what do i do with this thing this thing is you know I, you stuff there's some things now i'll also, i'll tell you this as well because the heart is interesting some of us have stuffed some things really deep and the fact that you're going to go down and start messing with it again it's going to come back up again and when it comes back up again so does all the other little things that go along with it that you thought you dealt with but yet here they are again Use that as a sign to show you, okay, now my heart's just at a place where I'm ready to deal with this thing. Don't judge yourself and say, well, I thought I was already past that. You just stuffed it and you never really got whole from it. You just learned how to manage it. So as it comes back up, whatever it might be, and all these little things, maybe even a sin habit arises back up again that you're thinking, don't judge yourself, just recognize, all right, now we're dealing with it. Now, I'm going to experience some whole. Now I'm actually going to get free from this thing. Before I thought I just had to manage sin, shove it down in there, not deal with it. Now I'm going to actually take it up and look at it and see it for what it is and deal with it and get rid of it and move on because it's keeping me from moving forward. It's keeping me, it's limiting me from pursuing the assignment of God on my life. Always starting with that place I am forgiven. If I'm not displaying the things that God would expect of me, it's because I am not standing on the foundation that I'm forgiven in Him. Like, like I say that even myself and then I look at your faces and it's like, I'm not saying you don't get it, but it just, it's, it's not how we think, is it? It's, just, it's not how we think, but it's true. And you've got to affirm that to yourself. If I'm not living godly, it's because I am not convinced yet of how cleansed I am already in this area. So I'm going to affirm to myself that I am that He's not holding my sin against me. This is not going to make me slide back into hell. This is not going to destroy my relationship with the Father. He already accepts me. It starts to loosen the grip of that thing on you, the guilt and the shame that it peppers into your mind, and it starts to lose significance, and it just goes away. It, it, it's how freedom can happen. Amen? Now, I know there's a whole bunch of stuff, and that was a ton of ideas, but... The simplest idea is you stand in a place of connection with the Father that is based on the finished work of Christ and He loves you and He has forgiven you and you are safe in Him. And from that place, you can deal with anything. No matter what comes up, you can deal with it. You can get it out of your life and you can move forward. Amen? That's where we're going. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for Your Spirit we thank You for not giving up on us. We thank You for a covenant that brings us safety and surety. And Jesus is that surety. Jesus is the guarantee for our covenant. Jesus is the one that qualified on our behalf and we put our faith, we put our whole selves in Him. We want to live in Him because in Him, in You, Christ our Lord, is our freedom. So Father, we just open our hearts. We may not have all the details right now, but we just open our hearts that as we move into this new year, we're going to be consciously step into and deeper into the assignment that you have on our life. Those things that you would call us to do to display and represent your kingdom in this earth. Walking in love, showing people how good you are, affirming the gospel, but also maybe even taking it a little step further into that assignment. Father, I thank you that you are making it clear what your assignment is for each and every person. And I thank you that you are giving them peace along that path and hope 
that it can be experienced and seen. That what the enemy came and destroyed, you restore. That what has been taken away, you have a limitless supply. You don't give up on us. You're not holding our sin against us, and we want to live well within that freedom. Thank you for clarity and vision, Lord. In your name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this heart journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.